<laughs> Repeat after me, say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things I love about our church and there's lots of things, is the passion that we have for all ages. And a few years ago, we hadn't been here too long, and I walked down the hall one day. We just painted uh, the halls and the building. Everything was looking really nice, and there's a big hole in the wall out here (laughs) right by the door. And we looked at the hole. Hi, Jack. We looked at the hole, and it was about head size. And we found that some of the teenage boys had been roughhousing in the hall, and one of them put their head through the wall. And I thought, well, that was exciting. Well, I'm down there, and it, and it turned out it was one of Miles' buddies, and they were playing chicken in the hall. And uh, so anyway, they came, Dad, we're sorry, and all that. Well, I pulled the deacons together, and I said, hey, guys, what are we going to do? And one of our leadership team, and I'm not going to tell who it is, looked at me, and he said, isn't that awesome? I said, what? I'm mad. There's a hole in the wall. He goes, isn't that awesome? I said, what do you mean? He goes, that we have kids in our building that can make a mess when there's so many churches around that don't have kids that are dying. And, and, and we understood that day that the building is for the people. And so I say, let's make a mess. Let's get kids and youth and adults. Cause some of y'all are the same way. <laughs> and, but let's have it where, where we're making a mess, but it's God's mess. Amen. Let's give him praise this morning. Come on. Amen. 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 Well, I've been told that the people upstairs, because of the rail, all they see is from my head down, and honestly, that's the best part of me. So you guys are you're blessed up there. Um, but just wanted to share, last week we talked about being stuck. How many of you were here last week and we talked about being stuck? This week we're going to talk about being unstuck or maybe staying unstuck because here's the problem that many of us run into. How many of you have ever been stuck before? Somebody probably came and pulled you out, then you were unstuck. Wouldn't it be nuts to get unstuck and then decide you wanted to go back and get stuck in the same spot that you just got out of? You know, I talked to you last week about a family from Uganda that was here on vacation the other day and got trapped in the flood there in, down in Cherokee Village. One of our members uh, was able to go in and help them get pulled out, some of our police officers. And, and, but can you imagine if they would have gone back to their hotel or wherever they were staying and he looked over at his wife and said, Darling, let's go back and do that again. <laughs> That'd be nuts. His wife would probably slap him. You know what I mean? You wouldn't do that. But, but the Apostle Paul actually talks to the church in Galatia about the exact same thing. He talks about freedom. And he says, now that you're free, don't go back into slavery. In other words, now that you're not stuck anymore, don't go back and get in the same hole you just got out of. Look in your scripture, Galatians chapter 5. This is verse 1. This is our key verse today. It said, it is for freedom, Paul talking to the church at Galatia, it is for freedom that Jesus has set you free. He says this, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again 
by a yoke of slavery. Now, let me go ahead and clear this up for you right now. It is possible to be a Christian and be stuck. And Paul says that here. He says, now that you're free, now that you've come to salvation, now that you know who Christ really is, don't go back to your old way of life. And I thought that was very interesting. Jesus has come to set us free, to keep us free, but it's up to us, me and you, to stay free. Just like our country, we can allow ourselves to go back into bondage, but we have to choose not to. I want you to look uh, at Galatians chapter 4 for a moment. And I, I want to tell you today, as I read these scriptures to you, they need very little explanation. Paul is abundantly clear in what he's talking about here. And I'm going to read Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 through 10 and kind of lead into what we're doing here. This is Paul talking to the church at Galatia. He says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. What he's saying is, before you were saved, this is what you did. Formerly, back in the old days, you were a slave, slave to your nature. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Do you wish to get stuck again is what he's saying? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. And here's what I want to explain to you today. Paul is talking about in chapter 4 here two different ditches. Two different ditches. You know, I want you to imagine for your life that your, your Christian walk is a road, okay? And the Bible talks about that we're on a road. So I want you to imagine that your life is on a road. But what's on either side of a road? What's, on, what's there? A ditch. That's exactly right. If you go on any road out here, you're going to go over and there's going to be a ditch on one side and there's going to be a ditch on another side. Here's what I want to explain to you that Paul is talking about today. He's talking about two different ditches. He says, on the right-hand side, this ditch over here, this is where you were before. Formerly, you were in this ditch. You were living in sin. You were walking away from God. You didn't know God at all, and you were over in a ditch. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you would say you could look at your life and go, I was in a ditch? Okay? But here's what Paul talks about that we can miss. You know, many of the officers in here, some of our first responders will tell you, and some of you have experienced this, bad weather's coming in, and the roads get a little icy, and and you're going down the road, and all of a sudden you start heading towards a ditch, and there's a danger that happens right then, is that you can overcorrect. And what happens is that when you overcorrect, is instead of going into this ditch, you go into the other ditch. Right? Two ditches. And that's what happens to many of us in our spiritual walk is we go from one ditch to the other ditch. And Paul is saying, don't do that. So what is this other ditch? He's talking about this ditch is sin and all that. What is this other ditch? This other ditch is religion. The other ditch is rule following. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here, the two ditches. One, you're living in sin. The other one is you auto-correct, you over-correct, and you go all the way to the other side. And now you've bypassed freedom, you've bypassed grace, and you've become a rule follower. Now it's all about following the rules. It's all about trying to do everything exactly right all the time, and it's a ditch as well. 
I'm going to share something that I wrote as I was preparing this this week, and I'm actually going to read it to you exactly the way I wrote it. But let me, before I go there, let me explain the two different ditches. The first ditch is demonic influence, false religion, and sin. That's ditch number one. It's where most of us came from, or all of us came from. But the other ditch, listen to me, religious tradition, religious tradition, performance, I've got to act good enough, and rule following. Paul talks about these two different ditches here. Here's what I wrote that I really want you to hear, and I'm going to read it to you because this is the way I wrote it, and I want you to hear it like I wrote it. I have seen people, and you probably have too, that have come into a salvation experience. They really get saved. They have an encounter with Jesus. This is what happened to the Galatians. Paul's telling them, you'd had an encounter with Christ. You really met Jesus. What happens is we get saved, and we start going to church, and then we become convinced that if we're going to be godly people, We have to become the best rule followers that we can be. So we trade our joy and our freedom in Christ for a book of regulations of do's and don'ts. The problem is this. On the surface, religious tradition and religiousism looks really good. The problem is underneath, it's all miserable And we take that path and we're trading one life for the other. But here's the truth. One is simply more socially socially acceptable than the other one is. Jesus talked about this when he was dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus would deal with sinners. He would deal with people like me and you that were broken, that were sinners. And, And he would reach down to them where they were and he would pull them up out of the sin. He would say to them, don't live this way anymore. He didn't approve. If you ever notice, Jesus never approved anybody's sin. He didn't want them to be a sinner. But then he would walk to the other side after pulling them out of the ditch. And he would go to the religious bunch, which was on the other side of the ditch. And you know what he called them? Whitewashed tombs. He said, you look good on the outside, but on the inside is nothing but dead men's bones. Man, that's hard. That is really difficult. So the question that that you run into as a born-again believer, as someone that's wanting to follow Jesus, what Paul is literally screaming to the Galatians about is this. Don't get in either ditch. Here's the question. How do we not? How do we not get stuck again? How do we stay unstuck? Well, here's the good news. I love the way that our, our word is so simple and it's clear and God is very clear in Galatians. This, this literally, I had someone talk to me after first service that said this, this section of scripture literally transformed their life if we'll get a hold of it. You know, most of the time when I read you guys scripture, I try to really explain it out to you, but I want to read this to you today. It is so clear, I think you're absolutely gonna understand it. So look at Galatians chapter five. We're gonna read through verse 10. I'm just gonna read it to you. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Notice in verse 2 he says, mark my words, exclamation mark. Listen to this is what he's saying. Paul, you can hear Paul literally screaming at them going, you got to hear this. Listen to me. 
I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Let me explain what he's saying here. What happened to the church at Galatia is they heard the gospel. They heard the good news. And remember, they'd come out of religious traditions, many of them uh, pagan traditions. And so Paul was warning them against that sin, against that paganism. But what happened is a group of religious people, Jewish Judaizers, followed in behind Paul. And he had delivered the good news. And then he moved on to another place. Well, this religious bunch came along and said, hey, you guys have heard about Jesus? And they said, yes. He said, he said, they said, isn't that good news? Yes. He said, but there's just some rules you need to follow. It's great that you heard that. But now we've got this list of things here that you need to do. And the first thing you need to do is get circumcised, which was a physical act that separated the Jewish people from the other people around them. In other words, and don't get caught up on this physical act. In other words, what he's saying is, it's great that you have grace, but now you need to do all this other stuff to buy it. Now you got to live this way. And so this is why Paul is speaking so strongly to them. And this is what he says. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Now, don't get caught up in the physical act. What he's saying here is now that you've experienced grace, once you decide you've got to start following the law, I declare every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Verse 4, and I put this in bold in my notes. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Once you decided that it's all about your performance, once you've decided it's all about what you do and don't do, you've walked away from Jesus' grace and you've said, I'm going to do this myself. And that's why Jesus was so hard on the religious bunch because it was all about rules, which, by the way, none of us can follow. Verse 5, for through the Spirit, circle that, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And here's the key verse. The only thing that counts, I'm going to say that again, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Let me ask you this question today before I finish. How do you identify a child of God? Is it because of the miracles they perform? Is it because of the gifts that they have? Is it because of the knowledge that they have? Is that how you identify a child of God? No. Paul's very clear about that in 1 Corinthians 13. The identifier of a believer is the love of God living in them and flowing through them. Jesus said it this way. People will know that you are my disciples by your love one for the other. That's the mark of a Christian is the love that we have one for the other. It's not how smart you are. It's not how well you follow the rules. It's not all those things. It's your love for one another. Let me break it down to you this way. The disciples were tax collectors and fishermen, and, and they, were, they were people just like me and you. And after Jesus had gone back to heaven in the book of Acts, the religious leaders of the day brought these guys in, and they said, look, if you guys don't quit talking about Jesus, we're going to put a whooping on you. You understand me? And they sent them out. 
And people were getting saved and miracles were happening and all these things were going on. And and the religious leaders got together and one of them said something that was very wise. They said, look, these are unlearned men. What is it that makes them different from everybody else? What is it that they have that nobody else seems to have? What is it? And one of them said this, they've been with Jesus. They've been with with Jesus. And when you are a follower of Christ, and I don't just mean a religious person, I mean when you have a relationship with Jesus, the power and the presence of God that lives in you and flows through you will be the difference between you and everybody else around you. Let me tell you something. If you have to tell somebody you're a Christian, you're doing something wrong. They should see it. Your life should be bearing fruit in such a way that those around you recognize that you're a follower of Christ, just like the disciples. It should be, what is it that's different about this person? That's what they're saying. Why are these guys different? Well, the only thing we can figure out is they're with Jesus. What about you? What about you? What is your great differentiator? It's got to be about your relationship with Jesus. So how do we stay unstuck? Because this is hard. This is hard. How do we not go into the ditch? Man, some of us have come out of very tough situations and we've received Christ, but how do we not go to this other ditch and become Pharisees and Sadducees and, and religious rule followers and be so constrained that, that there's no freedom, there's no life, there's no joy? How do we do that? What I'm about to read you is one of those most amazing sections of Scripture in the entire Bible. If you will open your heart right now and listen to these words, Paul's going to tell you how to be free and how to stay free. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 6. Now let me preface this with this. There's, there's a section in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, where the apostle Paul is talking and he says something that I love. He says this, it's so simple. And now I will show you the most excellent way. And I would say right now to you guys, I'm about to show you the most excellent way. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, Paul says you're called to be free, but don't use your freedom to do what you want to do. Don't be selfish. Don't do that. Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Look at verse 15, the opposite. If you bite and devour each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Simple. He said, love one another, serve one another, but watch out. If you start backbiting, if you become jealous, if you decide to covet, if you do all these other things, you will devour each other. Verse 16. You can highlight this or circle it. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That struggle that goes on inside of us where our flesh wants something and our, and our spirit man wants the other thing and they seem to be in competition with each other. That's exactly what Paul's saying. But look at verse 18. This is one of the keys to scripture, one of the keys to life. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Look at verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, which is disunity, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And he says this, and I warn you, as I did before, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance, which is patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So the key to staying unstuck is this. Walking and living in the Holy Spirit. Walking and living and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep up with him and keep in step with him. The simplicity of the scripture. When I read this this week, it just rolled over me because I recognized that we all, Paul says, we all have the ability to get, un, to get stuck. We all have the ability to go back to our old way of life. We all have the ability for our life to be messed up. And guys, it's your choice. But I love what Paul says here. You can choose to live in your flesh. You can choose to destroy each other. Or you can choose the better way to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love what he said, to live in the Holy Spirit and to walk with the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about something. How many of you are from the South? Let me see your hand. About half of you. Wow, that's amazing. About half of you. We have a saying in the South, especially the Deep South, where people say, Where do you live? Well, that's where I stays at. <laughs> where I live, where I stays at. What Paul is talking about here is where you stays at. And you know what happens to many of us as believers? As we come to church and we're here for an hour and a half a week, two hours. And we're here for a little while, but then when we go back out there, we're different people. And we're not living 
with the Holy Spirit. We're not living with Jesus. We're just visiting. You know, we just came out of the holidays and maybe you went to see family or some family came to see you. And they were there for a little while and then they left. They visited you. And what Jesus is talking about here through Paul is where do you live? Not where do you visit? Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15. He talked about being a vine and that we're the branches. And he says this, if you abide in me. If you abide is where you live. It's where you stays at. So here's my question for you today. Where are you living? Are you living in the spirit? Are you walking in the spirit? Are you in a place where God is with you and, and it's, it's not something you reach out to when you're in trouble? He's with you all the time. Is your faith so real in your life that you're not having to seek it, but it's right there all the time? But if you walk in that, that's how you'll be free. Here's the other thing that he said that I thought was interesting, and then I'm going to close. He said, walk by the Spirit. Keep up with the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit doing? He's loving people. And it's the power and the presence of God. And understand something today. I want you to hear this. I'm not saying chunk out all the rules, and neither is Paul. It's not about that. Here's the deal, guys. If you begin to follow Jesus and you begin to love your neighbor and love God, you're going to follow all the rules. Okay, do you hear me? The closer you walk to Jesus, and if you're close to Jesus, you're going to end up following the rules because you're walking with Jesus. So don't be about just following the rules. I've got to do this. I've got to do the other thing. I've got to love people. Hold on. Here they come. Right? Oh, i got to love them. I love you. No. I pulled my hamstring right then. I... <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, here they come. I got to put my Jesus on. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? But if that's where I live, that's what I do. And when you walk with Jesus, when you live in him and he is flowing through you, remember the mark of a Christian, Jesus said, they're going to know you by how you treat each other. And if we're walking close to him, the love of God is going to flow in us and flow through us. When I pray, when I pray with you guys about the tithe, remember what God said? I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that will overflow. Who gets the overflow? Everybody around you. It's the same way with God's love. God wants to pour his love in you. Why? Because he wants it to get not only on you, but on everybody around you. You've heard the term a contagious Christian? It's what you need to be. The love of God needs to be so real in you that it gets on everybody around you. And I want to tell you, this is one way you know I'm about to get all up in your business right now. Do people want to be near you or not? Ouch. Sorry, that's real. Are you drawing people or are you repelling people? Because I know people in my life, I see them coming, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help me right now, Lord. I don't know why I'm talking like this. <laughs> that's not how the Holy Spirit talks to me, in case you're wondering. That's really not. But if I'm walking with Jesus, guess what? Here's the cool thing, guys. This is real. This is not fake. This is not religion. 
We don't do religion around here. We do Jesus around here. And when you walk with him, he will give you love for people. He will help you. Jesus said, love your enemies. The Holy Spirit in you will help you do that. There are people that I have loved and forgiven in my life that I wanted to shoot, but when the power of God came in, it helped me. I thought about this, and I didn't share this first service. I've still got a couple minutes. I'm going to share it with you now. The first martyr of the church was a guy named Stephen. Stephen was not an apostle. Stephen was a deacon. He was a faithful church member. Paul, who at that time was Saul, had gone to the religious leaders and said, we need to stamp this Christianity thing out. And they gave him the authority to go arrest and imprison and kill when necessary. He was a terrorist. Legit. And and the guys saw, saw, saw Stephen ministering to some people and they came to get Stephen. And so they decided they were going to stone Stephen because he was blaspheming. He was talking about Jesus being the Savior. And, and so they decided, all right, we're going to start putting a stop to this. We're going to start killing folks. We're going to cut this thing off. And I want you to imagine these guys picked up rocks, the crowd, and began to throw rocks at this man to kill him. And the Bible tells us that before he died, he looked up into heaven And the Bible says, Stephen said, he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Standing. Now, you know, most of the times in Scripture, when you hear about Jesus, he is sitting at the right hand of God, praying for us. But in this situation, we see Jesus standing. The last words out of Stephen's mouth were this. Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. Sound familiar? What were the last words Jesus said? Father, forgive them. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead was living in Stephen. And when he was faced with a hard situation, unfairly accused, and being stoned to death, the same response came out of his mouth that came out of Jesus' mouth. And that's what I'm talking about. The power and the presence of God that lives with you and lives in you so that everywhere you go and everything you do, the love of God flows through you to other people. So here's the question today. If I was with you and I didn't know you, would I know that you're a follower of Jesus? By the way you treat others and by the way you treat yourself. Is the Holy Spirit so big in you that you love people that way? And some of you need to love people. And you go, Pastor, I don't even know how to do that. I mean, for some of you right now, the weight and the enormity of the statements that Paul's made are weighing down on you. You go, I don't know how to do this. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. You don't have to. What you have to do is surrender to him and allow him to live in you and through you. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus living in you. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. And this is the thing. Jesus always said if. Paul says if. God says if. If you're willing. If you're willing. And it's about you surrendering to him and allowing him to live in here. If. It's your choice. Are you willing to bow your knees 
and make him not just Savior, but Lord. Asking the Holy Spirit to come in you and live in you and through you. Because I don't know about you, but love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control is something that I want. I don't want all the other junk because I've been there. I know what destruction feels like. I know what pain looks like. I know what death looks like. I don't want to live there anymore. I don't want to be in that ditch either. Lord, help me to live. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this word for all of us. It's not just for everybody here and apart from me. It's for me and all of us here. And Father, if we're all honest right now, we could probably look at our lives and, and see where we are. You know, are, are we living in sin? Does sin mark our lives? And we know who we are. And this isn't about judgment. I'm not the judge. Because sometimes I'm there too. But if you find yourself in that ditch where there's sin, or maybe a false religion that you've been following, but there's no peace. If people looked at your life, there's nothing in your life that would really let them know you're a Christian. And I don't say that statement to, to upset you or hurt your feelings. I'm just saying that as a fact. But then on the other side of the ditch, are you one of those people that you're trying to do all the right things and you're sincerely trying to follow the rules and you can't and, you're, and you found that there's no joy because you've left your first love You've tried to be good. You've tried to be right. You've, you've tried to do all the right things and there's no freedom there. But in the middle, there's freedom. Walking in the Holy Spirit. Living in the Holy Spirit. Surrendering our lives to him and drawing close to him and allowing him to clean us and fill us and love people through us. you're here today and I want you to know I'm talking to Christians today Paul wrote this to Christians if you're here today and you, and you follow Jesus, you love Jesus you, you are saved but you find yourself in a ditch maybe you're still dealing in that ditch of, of sin where you're dealing with challenges and you can't seem to shake some habits he wants to help you today Maybe you're on the other side where you're trying to be that rule follower. You're trying to do everything right, but, but you're miserable because you can't. I want to invite you to freedom today. It was for freedom that Christ came to set you free. I believe today that some of you are going to be set free. I believe today that some of you are going to start a journey in your life of knowing Jesus in a way that you've never known him before where you are completely surrendering to him and letting him work in you and through you. If you're here today 
and you want to receive that. You want to, you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. You want to draw closer to him. You want to walk in the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit to be living in you. You want that fruit of the Spirit flowing in you and out of you. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that is me. Amen. 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 Here's what I want you to do. If you raised your hand or if you didn't, but you wanted to, I want you just to step out and come down front. I'm just going to pray with you. Just be brave. There's no judgment. There's no judgment. Amen. If you raised your hand, you want to come down, just come on. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. of you that either raised your hand or wanted to. This is the reality of our faith. That this is not a religion. Jesus died for a relationship to restore a relationship between you and God. And it's real. But guys, I want you to understand it's on you to draw close to him. It's on you to make those decisions to allow him to live in you and work through you. But I want you to understand something today. He carries the burden. As you draw close to him, he will carry that burden. Amen? You stay up here. You guys, let's stand. You guys, stay up here and we'll pray. We'll pray in a minute. Would you grab your neighbor's hand? I know, I, I can sense the power of the Holy Spirit in this room, guys. And he's speaking to hearts today. And I want you to know he can meet you right where you are. And he wants to. Draw close to him. Surrender to him and let him be Lord. Ask him. You understand? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your power and your presence, Lord. And I thank you for what you've done today. I thank you for the, the youth and college students coming and praying for, or playing for us, Lord, and, and your spirit that's here. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being here. Draw us close to you. Lord, make us the people that we never dreamed we could be but always wanted to be. Father, I pray right now for those that are here. There are those that are here dealing with financial challenges. You know who they are. And Father, I ask you to honor your word today and meet their needs in a supernatural way. Lord, meet their needs. 
I pray, Father, today for the marriages that are in trouble. Some of you came today with a happy face on, but your marriage is falling apart. Lord, I ask you right now in Jesus' name that Holy Spirit, you would move and begin to break down walls and soften hearts and draw people close to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do and change us. Father, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray right now for for those that have kids in the room that are going through challenges and they don't know what to do. The parents don't know what to do. The grandparents don't know what to do. Lord, I pray right now that you administer to those kids, Lord, that you would draw them, Holy Spirit, close to you. Lord, you are concerned about what we're concerned about. You love people more than we love people. And Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do your work and draw and heal. And we thank you for that. Lord, we just worship you and we love you. And we thank you for what you've done in our lives. Lord, I thank you for each person represented here. I pray, Father, that we would leave this place changed. That, Holy Spirit, you would draw us close to you. That we would walk out into a world that's dark and lost and hopeless. And that, Father, your hope and your light and your love would flow in us and through us. And that you would touch people's hearts. And you would change our community by changing our families. And then, Lord, it would begin with each one of us choosing to surrender our lives to you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray that uh, your anointing would be on us and with us. Lord, I speak blessing over this family. Lord, that we would truly represent you and that people wouldn't have to ask us if we know you. They see it in our words and in our deeds. And I ask these things in Jesus', Jesus precious name who died for us and who rose again. Thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. High five three people. And uh, y'all go grab some lunch somewhere. God bless you.